0: welcome to any questions a podcast about conception pregnancy and realistic motherhood follow along on my journey as i ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant staying pregnant and becoming parents i'm not an expert and i have no experience i'm going through it all just like you so thanks for being here and let's get into it Hello and welcome back to Any Questions, a podcast all about fertility, conception, ovulation, and hopefully one day pregnancy and childbirth and parenting and all that good stuff. Um, thank you so much for being here and for listening. If you caught my last episode, I was a little bit down in the dumps. Um, I am feeling a little bit better uh, recording this episode. So hopefully that comes across in my voice too. Um, and I'm super excited about this topic. It is inspired by a listener who sent in um, an amazing, um, vo- not a voice note. Uh, she filled out my submission form, which you can also do in the show notes. There's a Google form. You can leave me feedback. You can suggest topics to share your story. Um, she filled out Uh, That form shared her story with me. And I won't say your name because you didn't say if I could or not. Um, But thank you so much. You'll know it's you as we jump into this topic. But honestly, I was reading it. And I was nodding along. And I was like, yep, 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 that's me. That's me. So uh, if you ever feel alone out there, I guarantee you there's somebody who is going through the exact same thing you are, or something very similar and they totally totally understand how you feel because there's so much of this process that's like oh my god no one else has dealt with this like i'm so by myself in this thing and we truly are not there is <laughs> there's so much going on that we are all sharing um and i'm really excited to dive into this topic of timing so thank you again listener for um for sharing your story with me for suggesting this topic and there's actually a couple other things you brought up in your, um, note that I think are going to make really great future episodes. So we'll stay tuned for those as well. I also want to give you a bit of a shout out. I know you said you're coming up on your one year of trying, I think, Um, By the time this episode comes out, we'll be just a day or so past your one year of trying. I hope in between the time when you sent me in this note and uh, when you're listening to this episode that you were able to get pregnant. That would be super exciting. Um, But if not, welcome to the club. (laughs) Past a year of trying. You made it to your trying anniversary and we are in this together so let's talk about timing so first of all timing in the big picture so when you are first deciding when do we want to start trying for a baby i think this is huge and such a big conversation to have with your partner or with your medical team, if you are um, getting pregnant that way, or if you're pursuing you know, adoption or foster care or something like that, that is such a large conversation of like, when do we want to start? Um, I don't think it's uncommon for one partner to be ready to start before the other, but I really do love the idea of having conversations and getting on the same page and ensuring you're both like really excited and really wanna do this. Um, for my husband and i we decided to start trying uh we got married in september we went on our anniversary or we went on our honeymoon <laughs> in October uh this is in 2021 and then we moved into a new house November so for us it was December of uh 2021 very end of the year uh, my cycle probably like just after christmas um was when we officially started trying and we had had talks for years before that about you know sort of, whether or not we wanted kids. Okay, we decided we did probably just the one. And when we wanted to have that child, uh, we decided we wanted to be married first. Obviously, you don't need to be. um, That was something that we decided. And I had thought originally that I wanted to be married and, you know, just be the two of us for a year or two. Um, But just with the way (laughs) pandemic life and our relationship and everything sort of um, shook out, I decided I wanted to start trying, um, a bit earlier. And my husband was on board with that as well. At that point, we had been, uh, together for six years or something like that. Um, I should probably know five and a half, maybe six, <laughs> uh, since 2015, basically. Yeah. So six years, six and a bit years by the time we got married. Um, and it, didn't feel like there was anything, you know, we had lived together already, we had moved abroad together, we had bought a house together, we had adopted a dog together, it didn't feel like there was anything else we were waiting to do past marriage. Um, And obviously, I'm very glad that we started trying because here we are uh, a year and a bit later, and we are still not pregnant. So we've had all this time. Uh, just the two of us. So those are definitely big conversations that you need to have uh, with your partner, with your medical team, with your support team, whoever uh, you are having a baby with, or even just with yourself, if this is something you are pursuing solo. Um, Yeah, I think you really do need to sit down and say, hey, uh, when do we want to start trying this? When do I want to start trying this? How is that going to impact um, family planning? If you want to have You know more than one kid how is it going to impact your career uh going back to school moving cities you know writing a book (laughs) going on a huge vacation not that you can't do those things with a kid um but if there are some things you want to do first i think it's important to have those conversations and also understanding that like hey you know we could start trying and this could work right away we could get pregnant you know today tomorrow obviously if you're ovulating Um, or we could be having this conversation in a year from now or two years from now or five years from now and still not be pregnant. So I think it's really important to sit down with your people, whoever you're getting pregnant with, (laughs) even if it's with yourself, and sort of talk through the timing, how it impacts all the parts of your life, as well as... Um, looking at the different options. So, you know, if we get pregnant tomorrow, what does the next couple years look like? Does that mean we have to delay certain things? Um, if we're not pregnant a year from now or two years from now or five years from now, what does that mean? Are there things we're gonna be putting on hold? Are there things we um, will still do in the meantime? And then I think that leads into a conversation on the timing of when you want to pursue different, uh, I'll call them interventions. So when you want to pursue testing, when you want to talk to a doctor or a gynecologist or, um, you know, whoever, (laughs) whatever medical professional you want to see, um, when you want to pursue treatment. Is there, um, are there medical procedures that you're open to? When would you want to maybe look into other options like adoption or foster care? When would you just want to say, you know what, this isn't for us and that's okay. Those are huge conversations that I think it's really important to have with your partner um, or whoever you're having a baby with. And maybe that's not something you, you know, you don't have to say the minute you sit down, okay, we are going to start trying to conceive on, you know, September 5th, 2023. And if we're not pregnant by September 14th, 2024, then we are going to go to the doctor on the 17th. And we're going to get this procedure on the 25th. Like, it doesn't need to be that exact. But I think it is important at the early stages to just have a conversation of like, hey, you know, let's give it a try for a year or two. Or, you know, after six months, let's call a doctor, After a year, let's, you know, talk about the different medical options to us. Ballpark, you know, we could save up and spend $10,000 on treatment or $20,000 on treatment or treatment's not an option for us. We can't do medical procedures. So, you know, what else are we interested in? I think it's really important to have those conversations. Obviously, hoping that that isn't going to be your situation. But um, here I am, you know, 13 months later, not thinking this is going to be my situation. And it's kind of getting to the point where my husband and I will probably have to start having you know, we, we have had the general conversations of like what we would want to pursue, um, But I think we're going to be needing to have more conversations with our medical team and sort of figuring out next steps. And is it just a situation where we, you know, I am able to take some pills to sort of jumpstart my period and that helps us out? Or do we need to be looking into things like IUIs and IVFs and really figuring out how that works in our plan and our budget? (laughs) And uh, if that's an option for us. So I think I'm probably going to do a whole separate episode on like, timing and next steps and things like that when it comes to pursuing, like, medical procedures. And this is something that um, this listener actually brought up in her uh, form as well. Um, So stay tuned for that. But big picture, I think those are the initial timing conversations to have. When to start trying and then when you want to sort of pursue any sort of interventions, whether that be medical interventions or treatments or procedures or just going a different route to uh, bring a baby into your life or into your lives if you're doing this with a partner or with a family. All right, so now that we've talked about timing in the big picture, let's sort of narrow in on timing for each cycle. So if you are knee deep into this trying to conceive journey if you've done any research you've probably learned that there's about five days per cycle when you can actually get pregnant so it's not like what they told us back in high school (laughs) um you cannot just get pregnant anytime in your cycle there really are only sort of five days it's i believe it's the five days leading up to the day you ovulate plus your day of ovulation so let's call it six seven days give yourself um when you can actually get pregnant however it is not as easy as just you know, doing the deed five days in a row, every cycle and waiting until you get pregnant. At least it's not for all of us. So first of all, you have to actually know when your five days happen, when in your cycle, um, you are ovulating. So this is very difficult if you have an irregular cycle or if you have any other conditions, like I have PCOS, Um, it can be very hard to determine when you're ovulating, when your five days are, um, it's not the same every month. And if you do, you know, certain conditions you have can throw things off. So if you're using the ovulation predictor kits, OPKs, um, things like, you know, with PCOS, you might have a couple different spikes in your luteinizing hormone. So it's hard to tell when you're actually ovulating. If you are tracking your temperature, if you're sick, or if you wake up early, or if you go to bed late, or forget to take your temperature, that can be really hard. Um, maybe you can't tell what's happening with your cervical mucus, if you're tracking that. Uh, Maybe you're stressed, maybe you changed up your fitness routine, maybe you moved to a new house, like so many things can really throw off all of those different tracking methods. And I've done quite a few, not quite a few, probably two episodes on tracking for fertility and, you know, ovulation predictor kits and what sort of things work and the pros and cons of all of those. Um, But all that to say, even with all of those methods, it can be very hard to tell when your five days are. Um, And even if you do know when your five days are, there are other things that come up, right? Um, Like in two episodes ago, I talked about traveling while trying to conceive. Um, I by no means want to tell you not to go on a trip for the entire time you're trying to conceive. I can't even imagine um, if I hadn't gone on a trip in the last 13 months. Uh, Absolutely, prioritize going to be able, like traveling, that's very important to me. Um, work, you know, maybe you have to work late, maybe you have to go on a work trip or your work schedules are different than your partner's. Illness, if you're sick. Uh, for one of my cycles, both my partner and I had COVID, so that wasn't very, <laughs> you know, that didn't help us out at all. And those five days we could barely talk. Um, So there's a lot of things that go into it, basically, you know, you have to, so you only have five days per cycle. If you're someone like me who has extremely long cycles, that means maybe five days every two months. I don't know when those five days are because my cycle is irregular and I have PCOS and all the different tracking tools can really be thrown off. And then you throw in things like travel and work and getting sick, and it makes it really, really hard to time conception for each cycle. Um, and then the, you know, the, the big one here that I do want to talk about, which is, you know, sort of what the listener um, brought up in her, in her note to me was drive and desire. It's one thing to, um, to know when your five days are and to actually say like, okay, a hundred percent, like this is the window when I can get pregnant. It's a very different thing to say, okay, and I'm ready to have, or to do the deed, you know, every day, um, or every other day during that window. It's it's difficult. And I think that's not something that a lot of people talk about. And this is the listener brought this up too. you know, we hear in movies and TV shows and social media and everything that especially if you are in a, um, you know, a heterosexual relationship, uh, men are just always ready to go. They want to have I don't think I'm allowed to say it, but (laughs) they want to do it um, all the time, multiple times a day. And it's women who are turning them down and not wanting to do it. Um, But I think a lot of us know that's not true. Um, That's not true in my partnership. That's not true, I think, in a lot of relationships. Um, Men are not just always raring to go, right? Um, And it can become very difficult if you have a partner who isn't always ready to go, who needs some time between um, sessions, (laughs) who um, maybe has other you know, medical issues or mental health issues or whatever that they're working through that make it difficult for them. Perhaps, you know, if we believe that sexuality is a scale, which I definitely do, um, you know, maybe they are more on the asexual side and just having intimate relations in bed is not something that they crave or that they need or that they want to do that often. I think that's that's reality, right? Like that, that happens. I think uh, studies have shown the average uh, married couple does the deed once a week. That's the average. That means that there's people out there who are doing it way less than that. Obviously people out there who are doing it way more. Um, And it's very difficult if you have a five day window, if you don't know when that five day window is going to be, and then you or your partner or you and your partner just don't want to do it (laughs) during those five days. Um, It can be really tough. And I know, you know, scheduling, um, scheduling the deed is often part of the trying to conceive process, but it can become really unsexy to, to have it in the calendar, um, and to not force, but, you know, sort of mandate when things are going to happen, um, especially if you're not feeling up to it, or, you know, your partner's not feeling up to it, that can be a huge, huge burden. Um, and I'll just talk for myself. I, I know the listener who wrote in about this, I think she shares my position, um, But to have a condition like PCOS and whatever the heck else is going on in my body, where my cycles are so long, where I only get seven chances a year to get pregnant instead of the 12 or 13 that a regular 28-day cycle person has. To, on top of that, not know when that ovulation window is going to be because it changes every single cycle. And the testing methods I use are not foolproof and my condition actually makes them a lot harder to use. And then on top of that, to know that I am in a partnership where we don't want to be doing it every single day, every other day. That's just not what works for us. That's not our I don't know, sexual appetite. It is extremely, extremely difficult to, to figure all this out. It's really, really hard. Um, and yeah, that's, um, this listener talked about it saying that's, you know, that's the hardest part of the journey and it's not something we talk about a lot because we think men are just raring to go and that women are on 28 day cycles. And of course, this is talking as if you are all in cis hetero relationships, which I know is not the case. So add to that even more complications. If you know, you have to go and procure sperm or eggs somewhere else, then you know, timing is even more important. Um, But I I just don't think we talk about this enough. Like it's, yeah, to say that my partner and I have been trying to have a baby for 13 months sounds bananas. It sounds like a really long time, even though the average is a year. So it's not like we're that far off the average yet, but it can feel so difficult. And like, there's not really an end in sight when you add in all of these factors, like the PCOS, like the long cycles, like not knowing when the ovulation window is like having, you know, not having the same sexual appetite and wanting, that sounds horrible. Sorry. I don't like the term sexual appetite, but you know what I mean? Not wanting to do the deed (laughs) as often as maybe other couples want to. It's really, really hard. Um, to, when you add all of those things up together and as much as, you know, we both want a baby, there are so many factors that go into it and really make it difficult. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't want a baby to ruin our, um, you know, intimate life and things like that. I don't want it to get to a point where, um, being together is just a chore or something that either of us, uh, You know doesn't look forward to or or just wants to get over with like that's not really where i want to go with this um but it's it's difficult it's really (laughs) it's really tough when you when you have all of those factors that are competing together to to make this a challenge so just before i let you go i wanted to talk a little bit about Um, what happens when you miss it, when you miss the timing, when you miscalculate, when a cycle comes and goes, you didn't get it right. Um, First of all, it is 100% not your fault, I hope. (laughs) If you took anything from my last little blurb, um, I want it to be that there are so many external factors and things happening, um, that it's not just a matter of do the deed five days in a row, you're good to go. There are so many other parts of this (laughs) process, um, that it is not your fault if you are not, you know, getting pregnant right away, and this is taking months or years or whatever, it's, um, it's not within your control. And it's not something that you're doing wrong at all. But I get it, like missing it and feeling like you messed up the timing is huge. There is so much stress and so much burden of that. I 100% feel this right now. So there's first of all, there's the stress of trying to figure out what is the right timing, right? Like, I know right now I'm using the, um, I think they call them just like the cheapies on Amazon, the ovulation predictor kits. And I did a whole episode sort of backing myself up of like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, having great success with these. They're super easy to read. And then I have a couple cycles where I don't really understand what the OPKs are trying to tell me. And it's not lining up with when I get my period. And I'm like, okay, what the heck? Am I reading these wrong? Am I doing it wrong? Do I need something else? Um, And I have my husband who's relying on me to, you know, read the OPKs and tell him when things are looking good. (laughs) Um, And that's just, it's a lot of stress to hold all of that, to know that the timing and to figure out the correct timing is on your shoulders, especially when you have a partner who, or you're in a partnership where you're not, you know, doing the deed that often. It's not, you know, obviously if we were doing it every other day anyways, who cares if I read my OPKs wrong, it doesn't matter because we're going to catch the window. But if we're already in a, in a in a lifestyle, in a relationship where we're not doing the deed that often, then it does matter. Timing matters. And I have these conditions where I can't figure out how to use these tests or they're not working properly for my body. That's really stressful. That's a lot to hold. Um, I might just play this part of the podcast for my partner and just <laughs> let him know what I'm thinking and what I'm dealing with, what I'm holding here then you know if you miss it if you get your period if you know it was obvious the timing wasn't correct or whatever for some reason it didn't happen there's so much guilt right especially if you have um long cycles like I do it's like fuck or sorry oh, <laughs> i probably not supposed to swear <laughs> oh man pretend you didn't hear that I, there's no way I want to go back and edit it um but it sucks right you you think like crap we we missed it there there it goes here we go into another for me, like 45 day cycle, 50 day cycle, (laughs) whatever it is before we get to try again. So it feels really guilty. Um, You're just watching time pass by. And of course, if it's an issue of, I don't want to say issue, but if it's, you know, down to drive your sexual drive or your sexual desire, and just not, you know, wanting to do it in that time, um, there's a lot of shame that we carry in that too, I think, especially if you are in a, Uh, you know, in a relationship where you're told that, oh, wow, you know, men want to have sex all the time. And um, what do you mean? Like, that's not really something you can share. It's not really something you can talk about. So I think a lot of us carry shame around that. We don't want to admit that that's what's happening. And we feel bad about it. And we feel ashamed, which is (laughs) bullcrap. We should not because it is such a common thing. And it's actually so, um, there's so many negative impacts on the fact that we don't talk about that because it just means other men and other couples are also being told that this is what it's, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to want. And it's just not true. Like, there's, <laughs> it's just not true that all men are ready to go all the time. Um, it's absolutely not true. And it's really um, toxic if that's something that they are told is happening across the board and that they're the one anomaly who's, you know, feeling wrong and doing it wrong. That is not true. <laughs> Um, it's also just not as easy as, you know, so many people say like, oh, we'll just stop trying. It's going to happen. Um, no, (laughs) no, I refuse. Um, I do think there, and I've talked about this in past episodes, there are certainly reasons to relax in certain areas. And for me, it's more of like a mental health thing. For example, I used to track my temperature. Um, I've stopped doing that for the last... Uh, probably like half a year, year maybe. No, not that long. I don't know, six months maybe. I haven't been tracking my temperature. And for me, it was just becoming very stressful. It was something, as soon as I woke up in the morning, I immediately had to be thinking about trying to conceive. Um, Anytime I got up in the middle of the night to pee or um, stayed up too late, you know, reading or on my phone or if I had to wake up early or if I was sick I knew it would throw off my temperature and I didn't know what to do and I was like oh should I still take my temperature should I not should I you know add another degree should I minus a degree um I had to set like alarms which is really annoying especially on the weekend and this is a silly thing but honestly Most days I don't wake up to an alarm. I work from home, um, not really on a schedule. I work for myself, so I don't need to. I've actually been sleeping with my phone out in the living room um, for the last month. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. And it's been so nice to not wake up to my cell phone, uh, which I would have to do if I was taking my temperature because I would need to set an alarm and I would need to track the temperature right away before I forgot it. Um, So these days I actually wake up, uh, I first wake up when my husband gets up for work. And I kind of love that the first, you know, my first greeting of the day is my husband rolling over giving me a kiss saying he loves me um wishing me a good day and you know he goes off to work i usually fall back asleep for a little bit then i get up again and it's just me and my dog and i make a nice breakfast and i watch a youtube video while i eat it and then i kind of open up my phone and dive into emails and stuff like that so to me like that's that's important and that's something that i want to protect and i'm protecting my peace by not bringing my phone back into my bedroom and making it a thing of like, sorry, honey, I can't roll over and kiss you and, you know, wish you a, a good morning. So I need to roll over and take my temperature right away. And that might change, you know, I might bring the the temperature back into the equation. But for now, that's not something that I want to do. Um, So that's one way that I guess I'm sort of kind of letting some things go. But I don't think it's as easy as just, um, you know, okay, just, you know, as soon as you stop trying, you'll get pregnant, like, not when you're in a situation where you have these conditions like PCOS or whatever else you're dealing with, when your cycle is irregular, when you don't know when you're ovulating and when you're in a partnership where you're not doing the deed, you know, every other day, <laughs> all, all year long, I guess. Um, it's it's not that easy. It's not as easy as just, you know, throwing out all of the charts and stuff. And a lot of us, I know, we cling to those things. Like, those are important. So. I guess I don't really have a positive way to end this just to say that, like, I don't know, to answer the question, how much does timing matter? Clearly it does matter. But if you are not able to nail the timing every cycle or any cycle, I want you to know that is not on you. That is not your fault. It is a huge burden to carry to try to figure out the right timing and make it work for your lifestyle, for your relationship, for your medical conditions, you know, whatever they may be. Um, and if you're not able to get it, like, please don't carry that burden alone. There's so many of us who are struggling with the timing. And that's really a large part of this journey. Um, yeah, so you're not alone out there. It is not your fault. Timing is difficult. It is really, really, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. And if it's a situation where you or your partner, you know, don't have the drive or the desire to do the deed all the time, um, especially if you don't really know when you're ovulating and it would just be so much easier if you could just go every day or every other day or even every third day. Um, again, you're not alone and that is not something to be ashamed of. And so many of us are dealing with that exact same thing. So I don't really have an answer to it just to know that, um, you don't have to, you don't have to feel alone in it. (laughs) I am with you. This listener who wrote in is with you. I'm sure hundreds of other people who are listening are with you. Um, And hopefully, hopefully, despite all of the challenges we have and that it's really not as easy as they led us to believe in eighth grade health class, hopefully we all have happy endings to our stories very, very soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.